we are celebrating the 300th anniversary of the song, Joy to the World. It's, you'll find it published in most every American Christmas hymnal. Uh, 1,387 hymnals have this phrase. It's a paraphrase of the 98th song that we just read. It was interestingly thought to be too worldly when it was first experienced because people in those days only sang songs directly out of the scripture and Isaac Watts decided to bring personal experience together with our deep theological convictions. So we're focusing on some key phrases from this song this month. First week we focused on the Lord is come, that the Lord has come but also is still coming and so it's appropriate to say the Lord is come. Last Sunday, Pastor Aaron focused on the Savior reigns and invited us and challenged us not to just to live as if the Savior reigns, but to live because the Savior definitely reigns. Today, let me just focus on let the earth receive her king. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't get real excited about kings. I don't know how many of you follow the royal family in England. I know many people do and enjoy it. Just really not my thing. I don't know if I'm just so grounded much in our democracy and that we are all created equal in the eyes of God that I never get too excited about that stuff. But I have to admit that I, I've had a little taste of it because my wife got me excited about watching Downton Abbey. Thank you, Nancy. I have watched every episode of the six seasons of Downton Abbey. How many Downton Abbey fans do we have here? Yes, we've got several. Very good. And I assume you were thrilled when they came out with the movie. And they, the movie was very faithful to the basic plot. They had all the main characters in it. But here was the key plot to the movie. It was the king and queen of England were actually coming to Downton Abbey. And what was interesting to me was seeing the excitement. I mean, the utter excitement, especially among the wait staff who lived downstairs of Downton Abbey, were experienced by having the joy of serving the king and queen. For some who had been servants all their life, who took great pride in their profession, it was the culmination of their careers. The interesting thing was the plot had a little twist to it, didn't it? Because when the king and queen arrived, they, they heard that they brought their own waitstaff. So they weren't going to get that privilege, and they had to stand aside as they watched them cook that great dinner that would be experienced. But the staff of Downton Abbey was very resourceful. They found a convenient way for the chief of staff of the waitstaff to get sent on ahead to the next destination of the royal family for some make-believe problem they had. They also somehow made sure that the chef that was supposed to serve that grand meal got sick and to the point that he fell asleep and missed the whole meal and didn't wake up until the next morning. And they conveniently stepped in and experienced that privilege and honor. And the upstairs royal family and Downton Abbey titled family did not know anything that was going on. Well, I hope we can appreciate the Christmas story, and what this phrase says, let the earth receive her king, is suggesting to us that it's a great honor for God to come down and be among us, to come as a baby, to live to a humble family, no different than you and I. 
it made me think about experience I had early in my ministry. This was a time, my first couple years of ministry, when I still had a great appreciation for the hierarchy of the Methodist Church. <laughs> and the, we had a, a conference down in Frenchville, Indiana. We had Bishop Jim Armstrong came to speak. He wasn't our bishop at that time, but he was a world-renowned speaker and a fantastic speaker. And so I'm sitting there listening and enjoying his, his speaking when the person next to me happened to be Carl and Mary Jo Bray. Now, they were my Sunday school teachers at Plainfoot United Methodist Church. Carl had experienced a call to ministry, and so he was now ordained pastor, and he was there experiencing the conference as well. And he leaned over to me and said, Jerry, do you want to meet the bishop? My eyes got big. I said, sure. Well, it turns out Carl and Mary Jo were distant cousins to Bishop Armstrong. And so they had planned to see him after he was done speaking for the day, and they invited me to come along and go up to his hotel room. And I'll never forget the scene. Here I was in the presence of the great Jim Armstrong. I'm sitting in a seat at the foot of his bed, and he's laying on the bed with the pillows propping him up. His tie has been loosened. He's got his shoes off, and he had a hole in his sock. He had a hole in his sock. Let me tell you, that just broke the ice, and I saw him as this ordinary person and got to enjoy it. it, took away my nervousness, but when I think about God coming down as a holy family, it's like they would have been a family with a hole in their socks, if they wore socks. Receive your king. And the last thought I want to leave with you is this whole idea of receiving. It really struck to me that receiving is an essential part of the Christian faith. It's an essential part of this Christmas story. It's an essential part of living every day of our lives. And I don't know about you, but I would like to be in the position of the giver much more than I like to be in the position of the receiver. Is that true for you? Yeah, there's just something about that receiving that's hard. Even when people give me compliments, I don't know how many times early in my life when people would give me a compliment of some kind, I just dismiss it. I give the credit to God or, or find some way to pass it on to someone else. And then I heard a speaker say one time, you need to quit doing that. Because when you deny someone a compliment, they're giving you a gift. When you refuse it, you are refusing something they need to provide to you. So now I've learned just to say thank you and move on. But let me tell you, I'm not smiling on the inside. There's something still hard about that for me. I, and I guess there's just some baggage. I think there's still this part of me based on my self-esteem that doesn't ever feel that I'm worthy of that compliment. Or I'm worried about the baggage that comes with it. It's like if they tell you this was a great sermon and you wonder, well, was last week's not so great? Or there's an expectation you've got to live to this standard the rest of your career. And so you want to put it aside. Or, or have you been in that situation where you've invited someone else out to dinner, and then they jump the gun and tell the waiter or waitress that this is on one check, I've got it. And then you spend the rest of your meal worrying, well, did I order something too expensive? Or how am I going to pay this person back? And so instead of enjoying the meal and the presence of that person, you're worried about your position in life. And I hear this phrase saying to us, we need to learn to receive. It's essential to our faith. It, it's literally essential 
to experience the salvation of God, right? It is a gift from God. And if we don't receive it, we don't have it. And in the rest of our life, the process of sanctification, which we also believe is a part of salvation, is that reciprocal give and take from God where we receive, and he gives us the grace and the power to move on and to move forward. Someone said that being a good receiver means that we have to have humility, we have to have trust, and we have to have imagination. It requires a humility because it admits that we are all sinners in need of what God only has to give us. It requires a trust in God that may be difficult because other people have let us down too many times in our life. We have to learn that God will be there ultimately down the road. And it requires an imagination because the dreams that God has for us are far greater than we have for ourselves. And the only way we get to that life that he envisions for us is to receive the grace and the power that he provides to us. We only accomplish those dreams with the help of God. So we need to learn to receive. So I invite you to consider, what do you need to receive right now from your king? What are you preventing from happening in your life right now because you demand to be in total control of your life? I invite you to let go. Let me close with the other scripture that Pastor Aaron read to us about the shepherds. And the shepherds play a key role in the Christmas story. I believe they're there because they were about the most humblest and simplest or lowest of groups you could find in Israel at that time. Gone were the days when King David, who was a shepherd, was considered an honor profession. By this time, when Israel had moved from a rural to an urban society, Shepherds were pretty low on the totem pole. They, their sheep violated property boundaries. When you spend all day with sheep without the opportunity to bathe very often, you aren't exactly welcomed in social circles, if you know what I mean. But they were there. And when the angel announces to them the birth of the Christ child, what's the message? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I have good news for you, wonderful news, joyous news for all people. Your Savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord. So let us receive our King. Let the earth receive her King. As I close this morning, I invite you to open your hands as a prayer posture in symbol, symbolism that we're ready to receive whatever God would have for us on this day, at this point in our life. Would you pray with your hands open? Lord, we thank you for the many gifts you give to us, especially the gift of your child. who's come into our world and honored us. May we serve you well. Let us receive you. And accept what we cannot do for ourselves to let go of that control in our lives so that your grace might be complete and we might live a graceful life towards others. This is our prayer in this day through Christ who is our Lord. Amen.